Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, it was another night of Carabao fun where Arsenal win again and David Moyes gets one over his old friends. Welcome to the Football Ramble. It's Thursday, the 23rd of September. I'm Jules Bree. I'm Andy Russell. And I'm Luke Moore. Welcome along, ladies and gentlemen, to Thursday's Football Ramble. It always is a nice start for me when I get the thumbs up from King Moore to my oh, left. Yeah? When Just, I get the thumbs up after the intro. I always get a little bit nervous that we don't squeeze it all in. <laughs> Marcus sometimes goes with such rapidity that it's mind-blowing. He, he turns into like a like a jungle MC. He, he does like a ragger MC. He roars, doesn't he? He's like cutty ranks after a while, just smashing through. Like, you're never going to get that whole paragraph in and he does and you did it today. Nothing so well makes me panic more than not fitting everything into that intro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. There's imagine no being, worse feeling. Imagine no, once, being Hunter Roger at the end. Yeah, yeah, once, once, once you've got your name away, like it's not your responsibility anymore. I just leave anymore. it to you guys. If I was that, you, yeah. I'd really take your time over it and, and leave the challenge to us. Yeah. How are you both? It's good to see you. Good, good yeah. to see you too, yeah. Andy, you've been enjoying some live football, which we'll come on to very shortly. Another night of Carabao Cup action. Lots I, of good I'm games. I'm so full of Carabao energy, I've not been to bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you were at the I, Arsenal game, weren't you? Yeah, I was. Yeah. Watching was, your beloved Wimbledon. It was enjoyable. What a great occasion. Yeah. It, it was a great occasion. Even there, though you lost. Yeah, there were so many moments. With with Wimbledon, where you just think, I cannot believe this is happening. Oh, okay. and, and that was that oh, was I, I that was one of those watching Pompey at Wimbledon the other week. I cannot believe this is happening. <laughs> I mean, obviously, my cannot believe it is happening was the actual game rather than I can't believe we're losing to Arsenal. Yeah, because I I can't believe that obviously. All right, well, more on that game in a moment, but let's start with uh, what was probably the game of the night at Old Trafford. Amazing to see around seventy thousand fans turn out for a midweek game. By the way, I'm, I have to say that West Ham winning at Old Trafford, they're through to the next round and uh, their their treat for beating Manchester United is a game against Man City next, not the draw they really wanted. But I, I do think it was brilliant to see that the stadium was full. West Ham had all their travelling support there as yeah. well. And they got a massive win. It's the first time David Moyes has won at Old Trafford since around 20... 20- 14, I think it was the last time when he was actually manager. Yeah, but he, there. as I say, he didn't win very often. <laughs> no, <he> exactly. <laughs> um, it was an amazing cup tie. It was a great game to watch. Really enjoyed it. Um, 
lot of uh, action, a lot of um, intrigue. West Ham, it's one of those interesting games because West Ham, I feel like coming away from the game, West Ham could have won it by more because of the, the way it opened up, particularly in the last five or ten minutes and, and Andre Yarmolenko had that chance and Mark Noble had that chance. Mark Noble on the break! I know, uh, Mark Noble on the break. He was seeing purple spots when he got Stuart into the Pearson, penalty he just, Stuart Pearson, he just fell over. <laughs> His own first team coach said that in the post-match. Um, I don't know why Stuart Pearson was doing the post-match. Yeah, I always that's find a, that funny. Is that, is, that a, um, is that a dig at the Carabao? I think it's like when you have your reserve goalkeeper in. Right, okay. So it's like, I'm not doing the post-match now. I'll do them all the time. You can do it for this one. Yeah, I think is that so. what it is. Yeah, okay. I, 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 I wonder if that's the thin end of a wedge, and if we get five, six, seven years down the line, managers aren't even going to be turning up mm-hmm. to, to competitions that they don't deem to be important, which I think would be sad. But anyway, point. that's another point. Um, it was a great game. I was on the show yesterday. We talked about Sancho going into the game. Vish was interesting on it, and and I don't know if Sancho really helped his cause a huge amount yesterday either. Of course, there could be different reasons for that. People who know about football, like Andy, could probably tell me. Um, I was disappointed with him yesterday again. One point I'd like to make before I throw it over open to the to the team is just that it seems harsh because they came second last season and because I looked at, at their record last season, Manchester United under Solskjaer, and it was strong. Obviously, they only lost a handful of games. Um, they, they went through the season and ended up empty-handed. But I cannot shake from my mind the idea that they're just not that well coached. Like they're just not that great They've just got really good players and they're never the threat in the sum of their parts. And the example I'll use is last night. I think last night is a great example of a team in the shape of West Ham just being excellently coached. And I'll tell you why. So many changes. So many changes. But, but everyone, that, that's something that's well, been clear throughout the David Moyes every, second era exactly. at West Ham, isn't and everyone, it? Everyone knows their job. <clears throat> everyone slots yeah. in and it looks coherent. And, and fine, United had a lot of shots and a lot of the possession. I, I just didn't really feel like West Ham weren't comfortable at any point. And if you look at United, it feels to me, at home they really struggle relative to their ability. And when they make changes all the time, they don't seem to really be that coherent. No, it's, it's all down to incredible individual talent that's the reason they get points that's the reason they 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 win games and you're right about about West Ham because in the second spell of David Moyes look at so many of those players who are highly paid drifting and I suspect in a lot of cases that their fans thought they were a massive drain on the club certainly like Fornals in his first season although of course it didn't take time to settle in the Premier League Yarmolenko He's now getting a tune out of all of them. And that is the most impressive thing, isn't it? Yeah, I think and so. I, I think for to to get a manager in his fifties or beyond who like changes your perception of him. Mm. I I think that's really quite amazing, actually. You have to be a, a super smart manager, maybe not the, the, the greatest manager ever to have coached in the game, but to be a manager or coach that actually says, I've been successful but now it's slowed up a little bit. I'm going to do things a little differently. Like you see, Jose Mourinho, for example, has not subscribed to that theory. Carlo Ancelotti has. And David Moyes is doing that, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, I think he's just made the football just so much more simple at West Ham. I think everyone in that team, when you talk about changes, everyone knows what their job is. So even Mm. when there is a change at the back, Mm. they still know we're, we're still playing in the same way. We still play in a relatively similar system in every match. Everyone knows that they have a job to do and what that job is and they just simply carry it out. And of course, they're not going to win every single game this season. There's going to be games where they play better in than others. But last night against Manchester United, they just proved that they're just a well-oiled, organised machine at the moment. They faced 27 shots from Manchester United, but they actually still had the better chances, which is why they ended up going on to win the game, Luke. I mean, yeah, and and the, and the sorry, that's right, Andy. Um, I, I've interrupted you many times across <laughs> both of our careers. I, I attempt to return the compliment, and I'll be honest with you, I'm going to probably do it again. <laughs> um, you're right, and I think if you look interestingly, if you look at the shots on target, the, the number becomes between the teams, the number becomes a little bit more reasonable. And of course, Ariola made some, some some decent saves and everything. But I, I do think that's a hallmark of a good coach. I do think that a couple of points based on what you've both said. One is that. Um, you know, I don't know if David Moyes just made some poor decisions in his career rather than lost his way. I think you give him a pass on the Man United thing because realistically he's not going to not take that. Yeah. And then after that, it kind of it kind of exacerbated his his fall from grace, if you like, with some poor decisions. The, the, the Real but he's found Sociedad, it again. But he's the, found it again. The Real Sociedad thing is interesting because you talk to people there uh, around the club and they're like, he was like too diligent. He was too much of an 
old school manager. He was a little bit too Sir Alex Ferguson, actually. Right. Like his support staff and people at the club would say to him, you don't need to go and watch games on a Tuesday night. You know, he's like, but I've got nothing else. <laughs> Stop trying to give me crisps. Well, he's not listening because he had those uh, he had those headphones on listening to Bad Boy for Life. Didn't he? Stop giving me patatas fritters. <laughs> but the, the, the second point on it was uh, that's really interesting. Actually, the second point on it is that I would, and maybe this is unhelpful. Maybe this is you know me being a little bit naughty. But look at the relative performance between Jared Bowen, who's really been asked to play out of position up front. Yeah. And Anthony Martial, who you would mm. say, you know, people who you know look at this kind of thing would probably say Anthony Martial, his ceiling is higher, right? In terms of ability, Absolutely. his ceiling is much higher. But Martial, uh, what you want your team to do, and we talked about this yesterday with Brentford, when you're coming in and you're not someone who plays or starts every single game, particularly a big team, when you are given an opportunity, you need to work your nuts off. You need to work really hard. Bowen, it was, I mean, it was, it was relentless. All, all he really did was he just gave them stuff to think about over and over again. Mm. And, and in a way, that can set the tone for a team. He's uh, an absolute workhorse, though. Yeah. His work rate is unbelievable, no matter whether he's playing out wide or whether he's playing in that number nine slot when Antonio's not there. He, you cannot knock his work rate. He's just, he does so much for the team, doesn't he? Agreed. With, with Bowen, if you didn't know anything about him, you would be able to tell that he's played quite a bit of low division football. Mm. Not, not because of his quality because he's he's got great quality but because he's someone who who does all that stuff to the nth degree doesn't mm. he and he's, yeah, he's and determined just, to seize an opportunity and I, I, I just don't understand how you get i mean i don't you know more about this than me andy and, and maybe it isn't true but i'm i'm pretty sure that i've read that you know martial who keeps getting played out wide and wants to play through the middle and thinks of himself as a center forward and he's given an opportunity it doesn't really try a leg and and Jared Bowen, who is a wide player, who likes to cut in and play in that kind of way that we've seen typified by a player like Aaron Robin or whatever. Obviously, he's not as good as Robin, but that type of player. He's been played out of position and he puts in a lot more effort than Marcio has been played in position. I feel like you made a really good point a minute ago, though, Luke. It's because he's not getting probably, into that. Yeah, I probably did. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> that sounds a lot like me, actually. <laughs> because he's not playing every game for Manchester United, every time he does play, he has to work really hard to impress. And that puts an added pressure on him. And maybe, yeah, Andy, that's why he's struggling a bit because he knows that every chance he gets, if he yeah, doesn't but, score a goal, he's kind but of... But that's the reality of top-flight football. If you want to be at a club... Uh, of that magnitude and you take the money and you get a big salary. I mean, the, the contract he was given when he signed, as far as I remember, was extraordinary. You know, you're playing amongst better players all the time. And and and, and I think that personally, the best players flourish and the improve mm-hmm. with better players around them. And when they're asked to play, again, the, the difference between playing for Man United and a mid-table Premier League team is that everyone cares at Man United every single but, game but what the, happens. The, I, th- I think... Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think what Jules get, is getting at is slightly different. The, the sense that it's, it's good to have confidence in yourself and to be able to seize the moment, but you need to feel that the coaching staff have confidence in you as well. I'm not sure if Martial really feels that. And I think that's a, you were talking about Jaden Sancho before, and obviously we were talking about him yesterday. I think that's a bit of an issue for him because mm. I'm wondering if Sancho, for example, who, you know, in terms of Manchester United's, short and medium term future is more important than Anthony Martial. They've just got him on board and they've paid a lot of money for him Uh, and he's meant to provide something a bit different. I I think there's a little bit of a concern of him getting into the England zone that as Jules says, if he plays once and isn't the best player on the pitch, there's a feeling that he won't get picked for the next game. And then how do you find continuity? How do you find that moment? You know, there are some incredible players who've taken six months to settle in the Premier League. And Sancho has not played Premier League football before. So it it is a leap for him. There there can be an assumption that because he's an English player and because he came up through English academies, he should be ready to go. But as Vish was saying yesterday, he was conducting the orchestra at Dortmund and that's not necessarily the case here. So he needs time. And at the moment, it doesn't feel like he's had any sort of continuity. Now, clearly he's got to take some responsibility for that, but the coaching staff have to work out how to get the best of him. Now, I know what you're saying about Solskjaer and how he's, you know, maybe not the best coach. Well, he's definitely not the best coach that Manchester United could get. But one thing that is really big in Solskjaer's favour, I think, is the way he's dealt with Paul Pogba. Because when they bought him for a world record fee at the time, they had no plan 
They just used him in different places. You buy a player for a world record fee, you build your team yeah, you around him. Know, yeah, exactly. You know, it's that simple. Whereas, you know, it always felt that his efforts were quite peripatetic. Whereas Solskjaer has always been super clear that Pogba is super important to me. I want to keep him. I want to build around him. And his form has not been perfect, admittedly, in the Solskjaer area, but it has been much better than it was before. Mm. And I think I think you have to give him credit for that. Yeah, but they are out of the League Cup now. And it's another with, competition they're yeah, out of. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. with all the pressure on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and this Man United team and the players to go on and win a trophy this year, okay, maybe the League Cup isn't the one that would have made a massive difference, but still, they're out of another cup competition. But Jules, people always say that. Mm. It's always the big clubs, the very biggest clubs fighting it out to win this. You know, yeah. look at Manchester City win it again and again and again. Maybe it's not a big deal when we're in the third round now. When we get to the final, 100%. you better ask they want to win it. Yeah, of absolutely. Well, next up for West Ham is Manchester City. Chelsea also in the hat for the next round of the Carabao Cup as well. They beat Aston Villa on penalties. We love a midweek penalty yeah. shootout, don't we? Yeah. Yes. Uh, again, this was... Um, uh, let, let's we'll come on to the penalties in a minute let's just talk about the game itself because Cameron Archer yet again for Aston Villa scores in this competition he scored a hat-trick in the previous round a brilliant header last night as that well was Luke. Uh, he's a really good young talent he's been on the bench in the last few Premier League games for Aston Villa might see him make an appearance soon I reckon well to your credit George yeah, you've been saying that for a little while you said that he, he looks really good and that he, he's definitely going to have to play a role sooner rather than later that that um that header was the header of the season so mm-hmm. far for me brilliant wasn't it? yeah um beautiful shape to it um right full stretch straining every neck sinew to get there <laughs> and it flies in the top corner off the bar you can't ask for more than that it was um it was great um for, for Aston Villa to bounce back like that because obviously they had gone behind Chelsea are a very good team um and so obviously they've ultimately gone out but they made a lot of changes as well. And that is an interesting juxtaposition that Andy mentions there. And I've tried, I've tried to kind of um, make that point myself as well over the years, particularly with not just the, the um, League Cup, which I think, I think the kind of old-fashioned commentary at, you know, proper football men types are less bothered about the League Cup than they are the FA Cup, which they think to be some kind of protected species, which I understand why. But ultimately, Andy's right. Generally speaking, particularly in the FA Cup, the big teams do win it. And I think it probably speaks more to, to a team like Chelsea's depth, a hundred percent, than the fact that they're changing things. Because obviously the players, they, I mean, the players they're bringing in, I don't know off the top of my head, but you know, Chilwell's not starting for Chelsea at the moment. Well, how much did he cost? Fifty million. Mm. You know, how much did um, Ross Barkley cost? Timo Werner. A lot of money. Timo Werner. Mm. Yeah, Hudson Odoi is a you know, great young player as well. Obviously. So look, it was it was an interesting game. I also thought it was good to see Loftus Cheek get a run out, and I thought he looked very good. And I think he deserves a huge amount of credit given the stop-start nature of his career so far, that he can come in and play in what is a very difficult position and he's behind some world-class players and still looks so good. Mm. Um, and I, I would I would like to see him get a permanent move somewhere where he can play. And I think it should be a team who's trying to push for... I think his level at the moment is a team that's trying to push for kind of top eight in the Premier League. And if he can settle into a rhythm and play every week in a system that suits him, I know it's not all about him, so maybe he won't get that luxury, but I hope he does because I think he's a real talent. He, if he plays regularly, he's England squad quality. He looks he looks levels above so yeah. many other players of around his age and his level of experience. Um, but it's 25 now. It's kind of, it is really kind of take a shit or get off the pot time, really. Yeah, needs to be mm. starting every game, yeah. doesn't he? Mm. Needs to be playing in a team where he's going to get those starts. And when the game went to penalties, it all got a bit more exciting, especially with the coin toss, Andy. It <laughs> was, was that exciting or was that really It was weird? absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> it was weird. See, to me, it, it, so obviously watching on TV, it almost looked to me like Ashley Young was going... Oh no, I've lost again. Can you do it again? Which is basically how I do coins. If I don't win, heads or tails, I'm like, yeah. can you can you go again? Yeah. Just, best of three, best of five, best of seven. Right, right. It's not news to me, Jules. <laughs> I, I do know you. Yeah. Oh, What's God. Graham Scott's problem then? Yeah. What's his problem with the coin toss? I don't know. What was he doing wrong? Well, was I, it not I, getting I thought, enough rotations in the air? I thought it might get to the point where he just went, come on, rock, paper, scissors. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've seen that before. I remember um, Lyle Taylor and Dean Parrott doing rock, paper, scissors for who took a penalty against Rochdale for Wimbledon. I, th- I think that's a very ethical way to do it. And obviously there's less physical transmitting of germs as well. The, the problem is, Andy, if people, if players, as we know, get a lot of other interests outside of sport, like paper, rock, scissors, it may distract from their form. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you have got to be careful with that. Might that that would have been the best. Well, Ashley, yeah, obviously put Ashley Young off because he missed, didn't he? Yeah, he did miss. So it maybe hit, that's why. A little bit unlucky because it hit the bar, didn't it? It's not it? unlucky, is it? 
Well, it, take responsibility. All right. Really? Because I, I think it would if, it, if you if you lace it, you lace it, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's so satisfying when it makes that noise yeah, off the bar nice. as well. You do realise I am an absolutely zero tolerance opinion haver when it comes to penalties. <laughs> yeah. The goal. Some... If you look at this shot, the camera shot behind the taker, and how big the goal is. Yeah. Like, there's no excuse. It's just absolutely no excuse. I'm sorry. Jeff Steer, I, I love... bless him, for the first three, just jumped the same way every time and went so early. I was like, come yeah. on! Give, yeah. you know, give your team a chance here. Uh, Ezri, Ezri Conte wasn't taking any shit either. Absolute none. <laughs> he he looked like a man possessed he when he like walked a, up to the spot. Yeah, he looked like when you were playing a 90s platform video game and a baddie turns up mm. and the music changes. Yes. And you're like, oh, fucking hell, I've got to deal with this guy yeah, now. Yeah. And then at the end, when he scores the penalty, he walks up to Kepper as well and kind of gives him a bit. It was I'll, like... I'm you, in favour of that. Yeah, I I, I, I think he might have said to him, well, you're still not making any saves, mate, no? <laughs> <laughs> oh. So this wasn't you taking the penalty then? <laughs> no, my penalties would have been weak and pathetic in comparison, I'm sure. I just think, I, you know, it, 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 it was great seeing that, but... I think if that was on the continent, not that I'm making an advert for the show later or anything like that, I would Clearly never, do, I would never do that. Um, I, I think away. Look at it's it. like a football show for absolute nerds, <laughs> isn't it, Jules? It Please is. join us, nerds, <laughs> <laughs> and you're very welcome. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the the way um, television production is done when penalties are being taken in countries like France and Spain, it's always look into the eyes and the soul of the taker. Look into the eyes and soul. Yeah of the potential saver and it's like my eyes your eyes my eyes your eyes we're going to take the penalty it's been taken it's been saved it's been scored I like that and that would have really benefited from it would, I they, think. would they be interested in optioning a patented al- penalty algorithm do you think because <laughs> I've got one I like the coverage where they I don't know if they still do it now they went through a phase that TV um, companies and directors of, show, of showing the camera from behind the taker like it's a FIFA mm, I penalty like shootout mm. um, I like that as well I think mm. it gives you a far better perspective and I, I, I normally, um, you know, I, I don't really like the kind of video gamification of football, but I think in that case, it's actually a really positive move. I'd like to see more of that. Felt a bit sorry for Ben Chilwell, though, after all of the sort of well, how his season started and stuff, and then he plays this game, gets a chance to take a penalty and misses. Listen, Ouch. I think I think he, he appears to be... not in the right place yeah, by the looks of it. He feels low, he feels low on confidence, mm. um, and... Um, that's no real surprise because there's been a lot of changes at the club he's at and he's gone for a lot of money and now he's not doesn't appear to be in their first 11. Um, I kind of echo what we said about Loftus-Cheek, really. I know Chilwell's probably achieved more. In fact, he has achieved more. And he appears to be a bit more of a household name and, and clearly he's still part of the England squad. But he's a year younger than Loftus-Cheek. You know, I mean, football is cutthroat and ruthless. And if you're out of the first team at a top club and you are not a go-to player, it can get very tough for you very quickly. And when he shows that he's got a bit of a lack of confidence as well, based on what we saw yesterday, I fear for him because he's a fantastic player. Can you imagine how sad the WhatsApp chats between him and his great mate James Madison are at the moment? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, you expect them to be full of, you know, vim and vigour and toilet jokes. But now it must be a desolate place, like tumbleweed. That left-back position seen through the England prism is a great example of how the pendulum can swing at top-level football. A few years ago, Luke Shaw was like absolute PNG. Mm. No one wanted Mm. to know. Mourinho was publicly criticising him. He looked a little bit off it. He had a bad injury, of course. The whole thing's flipped now. Luke Shaw looks like a world beater. And Chilwell's... There's no way in a million years... If, a, if an England tournament is tomorrow that Chilwell starts over Shaw, mm. uh, I know it's not all about England necessarily for these players, but he wants to get back into his, his to his um, his club side first. But um, but yeah, it's not it's not great. It was good to see the uh, his teammates uh, get around him though and put their put their arms around him yeah. after he missed that pen, and then Reese James stepped up and wow, did he hit that penalty to win it for Chelsea? Great I, pen. I mean, of course, and all's well that ends well. But I found it weird that I don't think Timo Werner hit one, did he? And Reece no, James, James stepped up ahead of Timo Werner, even though Werner had scored in the game. Mm. Yeah. But then he missed a chance in the game as well. And he's a big Timo Werner conspiracy theorist, though, aren't you? <laughs> Timo Werner conspiracy well, theorist. Like, there's a lot going on at the club. That is not something I would put on in my Twitter bio. Well, it's like QAnon, but football. <laughs> you, 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 you said that you, you, you had a theory about how when someone criticised him at the training ground, there was too much going on to cover it up. I think, I think they're already out yeah. on him. Yeah. I I I, I think they'll I think they'll shift him next Brussels year. Brussels wicked whispers, Jules. Mm, there we go. That's it's just a it's just a, a feeling, as Sven yeah. would say. <laughs> right, still plenty more to talk about from the Carabao Cup last night. We'll get Andy's thoughts on the game at the Emirates as he was there. Plus, loads more good stuff to cover. We'll be back after this. Hold up. 
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This week, there's been loads going on across Stack. Over on the Luke and Pete show, I'm telling Luke about why my hairstyle has been bothering children. And she says, why have you got your hair like that? Yeah. Why have you got your uh, hair in a ponytail? We've been told that we're not to talk to men who have ponytails. <laughs> Good parents. Yeah, but that wasn't the parents. They didn't say that. Right. She'd just been told at school or something never to trust a man with a ponytail. <laughs> Meanwhile, the book club is back with a cracker on Football Ramble Presents. Kate and Jim were joined by Simon Cooper to talk about his new book, Delving into the Heart of Barcelona Football Club and what its legends were really like. Johan Krev, in, in my humble opinion, he's the kind of Freud or Marx or Einstein of football. He invented modern football, but he was also a lunatic. Krev was a guy who walks into a room and says, you're doing it all wrong, you should do, it. You should do what I say. Listen to the Luke and Pete Show and Football Ramble Presents every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. I read something, uh, some some quote from uh, the worst manager in the history of the Premier League, um, Frank De Boer, uh, seven matches, seven defeats, zero goals, where he was saying that uh, it's not good for Marcus Rashford to have um, a coach like me. If he was coached by Frank, he would learn how to lose because he lost every game. Out, doesn't no, it? it doesn't. I, I tell you what, the statistical embellishment <laughs> makes that even better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just love both of your faces while that's on. You're both grinning. Great. Um, it's Jules, Luke, and Andy here with you for Thursday's ramble. Now it's time for this. Peter's jingle had a good run. We loved it once, but that love's gone. You can get in touch. Just email show at footballramble.com. So nice. It's just nice. Delightful, that one, isn't mm. it? In the sea shanty. Enjoyable. In, um, when I've retired from all this nonsense, I can see myself living by the sea. Yeah. Having a bit of a sea shanty. Yeah. yeah. Listening to, to that through a shell. Anyone wants to join With me? A get, little get ukulele. In touch. Yeah. yeah. Get the emails to forward on to me if you want to get in touch about that. <laughs> um, we can do it. We'll set up a community. On the, on the on in Cornwall or something. <laughs> what do you mean, loser? <laughs> well, why Cornwall? Why not Portsmouth, where you're actually from? Well, when you're on regional TV in about five years' time, <laughs> you, you can come and join me, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, emails. Um, Jay, <laughs> Jay Reed's been in touch. Thanks for getting in touch, Jay. Um, he's, well, speaking of regions, he says, regarding the best regional five-a-side team in the UK, he says, all right, Ramble, uh, how about a five-a-side team from Glasgow? Goalkeeper, Alan Ruff. Defence, Alex McLeish. Midfield, Kenny Dalgleish and Archie Gemmell. Striker, Ali McCoist. They'd fucking destroy every... <laughs> <laughs> that is a savage team, isn't it? Alan Ruff used... To, Alan Ruff, I'm going to put it out there. And again, get in touch if you disagree. The, the hardest man to ever have an, a proper um, curly-permed bouffant. He, he still looks really hard, even with that ridiculous haircut. I mean, it's been pointed out to me that even though he made some of his career in... Glasgow. Duncan Ferguson's not actually from there, oh, which is early, a little bit. Yeah, it's disappointing. Yeah, that is disappointing. So he misses out. Um, oh, oh wait, you could have a ringer in there, right? Alan Ruff now looks like he's. Um, Alan Ruff now looks like that he's the proprietor of a, a very nice family-run local restaurant. 
with his wife. Every yeah. photo of him and his wife looks like they're standing out front of a restaurant saying, come in, it's two main courses for 20 quid. <laughs> he looks a charming man. Uh, we've got one from uh, Jack Grodon here. Hello, Ramblers. A couple of things to share with you. Firstly, following on from the chat about the guy who bought a Victoria sponge into Craven Cottage, whilst at Fulham versus Leeds last night, night before, I also spotted something that I'd never seen before at a ground. Whilst queuing for a beer in the concourse pre-match, I spotted a huge wicker picnic box. This doesn't surprise me one little bit. <laughs> Filled with fruit, accompanied by the sign, free fruit for kids. Oh. I saw this at Chelsea last week as well. It appears Fulham are finally there. feeling guilty for being sponsored by Pizza Hut in the early 2000s. <laughs> it's a great initiative, that. In other news, a friend of mine, yeah, they do that at the Oval for the cricket. Right. In, in other news, uh, a friend of mine who is a gas meter salesman attended an industry award last week. This was being held on the same night and in the same hotel as the now infamous Meat Industry Awards. <laughs> After hearing Keggy was in town, my friend Alex and his colleagues wasted no time in making a beeline for him and managed to corner Keggy for some non-meat slash football chat. Apparently Kevin was in great spirits all night, only drinking half pints at a time, surely less of a hazard than carrying a full pint glass around. He also didn't refuse a photo with anyone, however kept remarking, Come on, even my wedding photos didn't take this long. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. You can picture that. Don't, um, I mean, this is probably just an unfortunate use of language, but just as a general rule, Jack, don't corner people <laughs> if they're famous. Just be nice to them. Don't kind of stand around them so they can't get away. Are you speaking from um, experience there, Luke? As a yeah, I've cornered loads of celebrities. <laughs> <laughs> and they never like it, Jules. <laughs> I bet there's a famous person where people come up to you for photos, they corner you. No, it's never happened. Never <laughs> once happened. They say to me, do you know Jules and Andy? And I say, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> what are they like? Wankers. I say. Oh. <laughs> I, you know what? The fruit thing is interesting because I was at Chelsea last week for their Champions League match and they had a, a stand of fruit as well. And I thought, Oh, mm. what's that for? Can I have some? <laughs> can can you eat it inside of the pitch? You know, yeah. when, you, well, when you're not allowed, even allowed to take tops did on you, the, did, the bottles for your water. Mm. Did you steal an apple from Michael Owen? No, I did not. <laughs> only burgers. Burgers um, only. Can I also say, um, uh, it's a really great initiative and I think it's a really cool thing to do. I'm a big Oddbox fan. Not even, the Rambles not sponsored by Oddbox. It's not a sponsorship message. You pay, I think it's about a tenner Every fortnight, they deliver you a box full of fruit that the supermarkets won't take because it's a different shape. They're like misshapes, basically. Oh, so it's really good rejects. for the yeah, it's still really good for the environment. Rejects. Obviously, still tastes the same, and you get amazing fruit that you probably wouldn't get anywhere. Else. Oh, I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, so That's check it cute. out. Have you had any like dodgy looking ones, like rude looking ones? No, oh, I knew you were going to ask that. <laughs> why, why didn't I think when I thought, brought that up? That's the first thing you would ask. I tell you what, if I do get one, I'll take a photo for you. All Please right? do. You're talking I'm about regional telly. Let's bring back that slide. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's get back to last night's Carabao. Cup action uh, and to the Emirates then Andy tell us about the game how was it did Arsenal deserve that 3-0 victory I'm going to say yes uh, <laughs> seeing as there was quite a large quality gap um, but uh, Wimbledon did a good job I think um, bearing in mind um, where they were a year ago and well I'm, I'm still in that thing of where we were a year ago was not in stadiums and that was a really great occasion you were talking about um, there being such a big crowd at, at Old Trafford um, similarly at the Emirates almost full and a lot of young people because it's cheaper to get in mm. you, you know which is a massive deal like creating the the fans of the future and allowing people to connect with their teams is fantastic 8,000 Wimbledon fans there as well uh, which I, I absolutely loved and what end were you in? At the Wimbledon end of okay, course okay good just checking, just making what, what, sure. Why did you think I'd be yeah, just, just in case you he's, could only get tickets for the home He's end. too frightened to get in the house. <laughs> had to sit on your hands just in case there was a goal. Yeah, yeah. I had to sit in the house Wimbledon then when we went to go see Wimbledon Pompey. Yeah, I know. How was that for you? I had to do most of my celebrating for the Pompey goals on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> because Andy's naughty firm would have mucked me up otherwise. Yeah, that's right. Um, why, why, do, why, do, um, why does no one call the um, 4-3-2-1 that Arsenal played last night the Christmas tree formation anymore? used to be called that all the time in the 90s. Oh, yeah. And it's a great way of referring to a formation. Accessible, interesting for newcomers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I don't think this Arsenal are quite ready to be compared with vintage Ancelotti Milan just yet. Uh, I, I, I think that's maybe a bit soon. But like for, for them, it was, I think, a really good confidence building exercise I think Wimbledon will have learned quite a lot from it and Wimbledon were in the game for they stayed in the like game a long seven, time. 70 yeah. minutes and uh, you know it, I, I thought it was quite nice the fact that they had to bring on Emil Smith-Rowe and um, Saka to, to, to kill the game mm. although on the other hand you're thinking do you really need to bring those off the bench <laughs> against the League One side I, I, I felt quite especially Saka was absolutely 
tearing through Wimbledon in that, in, that, in, that, in that last 20 minutes. It's what you say though, Andy. It's about Arsenal building confidence now because that's another win, three in a row. And Agreed. Like, they just need to continue to build that that confidence. Because and... in another situation, you're you're looking at that and you're thinking, hang on, North London derby on, yeah. on, on, on the weekend. What have you actually got to gain from that? Because if you bring on Smith Rowe, and I realise they've got a protect uh, Thomas Partey which is important he had a decent run out nearly scored and Nick Saniff the Wimbledon goalkeeper made a good save from him but they they took him off like pretty much an hour on the dot and replaced him with Smith Rowe if you bring on Smith Rowe and Saka for the closing stages of that and they get injured mm. and, and miss the North London derby you're going to Arteta. What What are you doing? Yeah, but I don't. What's What's I don't, know you can, I don't know if you can look at football like that though. I don't think that's helpful. I think a lot of players, particularly younger players, they want mm. to play. And and and, yeah. and 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 you know you get plenty of players who we talk a lot about how you have know, 55, 60 games a season. Jurgen Klopp talks all about how you know the players are getting run to the ground. I get all that. Yeah. But actually, for a player like Emil Smith Rowe, a playmaker who probably feels like he wants to get into a rhythm and he wants to play and he's young and and to be with the greatest of respect to Wimbledon. You know, those players he's playing against aren't on his level. It's a great opportunity for him. And I don't think you can ever approach a game where you say, fair enough, we're in, in, in March mm. and he's just played 18 games in a row or something and you think you can say that. But I think at this stage of the season, they want to play. Yeah, and I think, I think as well, your argument in favour of that is the fact that if they come on for... 20, 30 minutes against a team that have been given everything and Wimbledon were knackered they will in, be, in, yeah, in, exactly. in the last 20 minutes. I, I think it is it is a really good um, confidence builder. It's a, separate, it's a separate point from the fact that, you know, you could argue, I didn't watch the game last night because I watched the Man United game, mm. but I suppose you could argue that, you know, is it a bit embarrassing for a club like Arsenal at home to need to do that? But I don't think you level any kind of worry at the player's door because I think, like I say, 15, 20 minutes midweek for a player of Smith Rowe's age and profile... I personally don't, without knowing his you know, injury record intimately, I, I don't think that's a big problem. I think personally it's about continuing to build momentum and yeah. after the start of the yeah. season that they had, now they're going on this little run and yes, those wins have been against Norwich, Burnley and I I I with all due respect, Wimbledon in the cup, yeah, you know, yeah. they... This is this is the start of their season now, and they just need to continue to build that as they head into the North London derby. A, a brief mention as well for the mighty Seagulls. Just before we move on, there you go, and you've talk done about it. something. There you go, you've done it. Six wins out of seven games. <laughs> this Amazing. Season. They've gone, they've Absolutely gone. Absolutely flying. They've done brilliantly. And I, and I really hope they go on to great things. It will be just like us to go into the big rivalry match on Monday night against yeah. Palace at Selhurst Park and lose. Yeah, we won't say some of the things you were saying before the show about that game. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, Absolutely unsuitable for any listenership. We are flying and mm. I am a very happy girl. Um, right, let's talk about something um, a bit interesting that um, I think we can get our teeth into a couple of these stories. Um, first of all, Southampton have signed a 32-year-old player, Ollie Lancashire, as a support player. Now, this is something new that I think a lot of clubs are starting to do where an older player is signed purely with the purpose for playing with the under-23s in order yeah. to help develop them, in order to add their experience in and around the under-23s acting as a bit of a role model, setting the standards, all that kind of stuff. What do you think of this, Andy? It's interesting because um, for a bit of background, there's a great article um, in the iPaper by Daniel Story, the always excellent Daniel Story in, uh, about this, where he interviews um, Ollie Lancashire. And he was let go, Ollie, not Daniel, <laughs> by uh, Crew Alexandra at the end of last season. And having come through the Southampton Academy, they gave him a call and said, look, you know the club, you know the club's values. That idea, I think, is really interesting because I think in every team, however good the young players, your experienced players are absolutely key in terms of, of, of guiding them. That idea of having a sort of coach on the pitch, I mean, we, we've seen that in basketball with someone like Udonis Haslam, uh, Miami Heat, who's someone who was there when they were winning stuff. He's barely played, if at all, in the last couple of seasons. But the idea that he's still there as that sort of big brother mm. mentor has, has really worked out for them and they keep re-signing him even though he never plays because he's so important to the fabric of it and so I think this is an absolutely terrific idea and I think the idea that clubs can think outside the box like this in terms of development maybe take ideas from other sports and other contexts is really important I mean we saw that we were talking about yesterday about um, Pep Guardiola complimenting Akin Fenwa. I mean, we saw the second bit of the clip, I think most of us on social media yesterday, where he brought up the old thing about, well, really, I, I, not only would I like my younger lads to play against Akin Fenwa, we should be in League One mm. every every week. Another fucking team to stop Portsmouth 
promoted. <laughs> <laughs> it's not That's what happen, I thought when Luke. I heard that. Yeah. Well, I just think it's 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 totally <laughs> like selfish and ignorant. Like yeah. the, the the idea not understanding after he someone who claims to really understand fans and their cultures and clubs not understanding after he's been in England so long how important the pyramid is to to fans to their communities the sort of interest there was we talked about there being 8000 Wimbledon fans at, at Arsenal last night when you just look at what's happened to the current guys of the EFL trophy the Papa Johns like the, the the fact that fans have voted with their feet in a big way as far as that's concerned you know our teams are teams in league 1 and league 2 playing under 21s it's of no interest to people mm. it's of no interest to people at all and when you go abroad and you talk to people they don't just talk about the Premier League they talk about you lot are nuts the way you show fourth and fifth division football on telly and people go and mm. people love it and I think you know it, it's, it's ridiculous to suggest that football simply exists for the very elite clubs it's so arrogant and so outrageous and such a misunderstanding of English football culture. You, what you will find, though, is that, um, of course, if, if Manchester City under-21s or under-23s were to go into League One, I'm sure the home fixtures would have a lot of fans in because Man City have had no problems at all uh, filling for, for their stadium. <laughs> the uh, thing is, you would need so many more Oli Lancashire's. Going, going back to the... To, to, yeah, to, going back to, to the make idea it work. Of, going back to the idea of a support player, there's an interesting kind of test you can do with yourself about whether this is a good idea or not. Basically, look at the idea, process what it is, um, and then try and find out if Danny Mills on TalkSport thinks it's a shit idea. If he's really fuming about it, there's a direct correlation to how angry he is, to how good an idea it is. So I can imagine this being really annoying to Danny Mills, which therefore automatically makes it a really good idea. Done. Um, and, Sorted. And, and I think it's one step beyond, um, to be serious for a moment, it's kind of one step beyond what, say, May and I did with Laurent Blanc, which we referenced quite a lot on here because he was clearly very, very useful for Alex Ferguson's Man United, despite the fact he didn't play that often. Danny Murphy was a kind of on-pitch coach for Roy Hodgson at Fulham. These kind of mm. things have always really been going on. I think it's just taken another step further. And I, I, I read the article, I enjoyed it. I, I particularly enjoyed Oli Lancashire's quotes and how he, how he was approaching it and how he realised that it was actually a really great role. Not a demeaning role at all, but actually a chance to really show young players in his capacity as a guy who's played whatever it is, 300 football league games, how difficult it can be to even get to that level and what they need to do, not just as athletes, but as human beings as well to succeed. I think it's an absolute no-brainer for the mm. money it's going to cost a football mm -hmm. club in the Premier League. I think so as well. And I think it's the, the mental support that that support player can really offer some of the, the younger lads in, in the under-23s because we, we all sort of, we don't talk about it enough really about how difficult it is for these players who some of them, will not make it into the first team. Some of them won't even make it... Well, probably most of completely, them. Completely, yeah. As yeah. professional footballers, they might drop down the leagues and be fortunate to actually get into a team in the lower divisions. Yeah. A lot of them will not even be professional footballers for much longer. And having that player there to mentally support all of those potential things that can go right and wrong in their careers, I think is um, is really important mentally and also physically as well. I think that's absolutely right, isn't it? Because... I think you look at the players that don't make it from Premier League academies and actually end up making a good living in League One or League Two. They're the ones who quickly get over that it hasn't happened. Yeah. Uh, you know, rather than thinking I'm trapped in a dreadful ones. nightmare they're and fortunate. this wasn't yeah. this wasn't meant to happen to mm -hmm. me. They're the ones who think that now I am a League One or League Two player. I'm going to deal with it and make the most of it. Well, listen. Assuming that Oli Lancashire is qualified for the job, which I'm sure he is. It's a positive step as well because football clubs need to be far better at preparing young, in this case, young men for life generally. You know, the amount of stories, and it's, it doesn't happen as much now, thankfully, but it has happened a lot since I've been watching football. The amount of stories where a young kid, a vulnerable kid who's still really a kid, um, be it finding out on social media or finding out just through a letter in the post to his mm. parents' house that he's no longer required at Man United or at Liverpool or whatever. I'm not picking any club specifically for any reason. It's not good enough. It isn't good enough. And what needs to happen is they need to be educated, actually as in academically educated. They need to be prepared for life. They need to be given skills that are transferable across not just football but in life generally. Because if that does happen and the chances are statistically that is what will happen, they need to be able to, they need to, be able to go off and 
and live their lives in a meaningful way. And and and, and I do think football clubs have a have a have a pastoral duty to make sure they do that. And I think this fits into that as well. So I think it's a very positive step. Yeah, I agree. Um, something else that I think is really important for us to discuss as well is this news that safe standing is potentially going to be trialed in top level clubs from January 2022 if this is approved. Um, Premier League and Championship clubs have been invited to trial safe standing by applying to the Sports Ground Safety Authority. Now, the SGSA say if approved, they'll be able to offer licensed standing areas from the 1st of January 2022. All first and second tier grounds have been required, as we all know, to be all seated since 1994. Standing was outlawed after the Hillsborough disaster, of course. And this is a subject that can be quite sensitive to a lot of people, Andy, but also can you yeah. understand why safe standing could and should be introduced? Yeah, and I think it's a conversation that has been had over a number of years and generally dealt with very sensitively, which after Hillsborough is, is, is super important. Um, it's also important um, to outline, as I think has been outlined in a few places, that it's, it's not standing as it, as it was before. Clearly, um, facilities are loads better for fans than that they, they were in the 80s or 90s. And it's a rail seating is about demarcated places where you sort of snap down the seat and there's a particular place for for, for you to stand in as well. Um, we've seen that in the new um, FC Wimbledon Stadium, of course, um, at Plough Lane. Um, look at, looking at bigger places, we've, we've had it in Celtic for a, for a while. It's something that's worked in, in Germany for a, for a long time. So clearly we have to take on board the feelings of fans and discuss with fans who've been affected by some of these disasters in the, in the past absolutely um but it's something that i think is 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 generally positive i think it's a better experience not just for atmosphere but it can be in terms of 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 safety as well i think you look at a lot of the way that grounds were redeveloped to cope with the taylor report well redeveloped is a bit of a glorified word actually brought up to speed to sort of meet the um requirements of the taylor report you think of the way that in in some cases basically seats were just plonked on the top of existing terraces that's what in, happened at Fratton Park yeah and in terms while, of yeah. in terms of safety in terms of comfort in terms of being able to evacuate fans safely when that that's that, that, that needs to be the case in an emergency it's really far from ideal so i think it's also as as well as i know fans will talk about it you know being better in terms of atmosphere and fan experience and all that sort of stuff. I think in a lot of cases, in terms of safety, it's something that needs looking at again as well. I completely agree. I would, I would nothing to add other than the fact that um, in my experience as a football fan of many years standing, um, so to speak, people want to stand. That's the the point is, you know, that, you know, I, I use an example. I was at the semi-final between England and Denmark in the summer at Wembley every single person in the block I was in was standing mm. around seats and and celebrating was happening and lots of enthusiastic people were, were, were doing their thing to support their team and not one person was sitting and all they were doing was awkwardly standing in what I felt at the time actually to be a potentially dangerous way yeah. around all these plastic and metal seating. That's it, It's not it? designed for it. Exactly. And you can't... And I, and I do remember being at games in years gone by where stewards and stadium announcers have tried to get people to sit down and people just won't. And so the, I agree with everything Andy said. Of course, it's got to be handled sensitively for obvious reasons, but I don't think it's a case of you know, standing unsafe, seating safe, because there's a lot of other variables. So yep. if you can find a way of implementing the fact that people want to stand in a safe way, they unquestionably shouldn't be doing it in the way that, for example, they were doing it behind the goal for England-Denmark in the summer because there was nothing safe about that. Mm. So I, I, I welcome it. It's also interesting that a lot of fan groups, obviously this is, a lot of this has been fuelled and, um, and supported heavily by the FSA, but there are other club-specific fan groups who are, who are in favour of this as well in the Premier League. Um, so I would like to see it personally I would like to see it implemented too. It's hard you know when you're at a football game your your natural instinct when your team attack is to stand up because mm -hmm. you get excited there's that adrenaline you you want to see it you might not be able to necessarily see when you're sitting I mean I can't see anything when I'm sat down because usually <laughs> everyone's taller than me in front of me I had it literally on Sunday. But you won't be able to see anything standing either. <laughs> Very good but yeah it is that natural instinct that you want to get up and you want to you know that that sort of 
the, the moment in the game does take you. So it's very hard not to see why this wouldn't be something that's a good idea. If yeah, it anticipation makes it safer, is it, part yeah. of watching the game, a- isn't it? A hundred percent, There are pairs of shins all over the land that will be delighted <laughs> to hear this news. Luckily, I never usually have that problem, but I know I am in the minority. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just worth pointing out that, of course, there are various criteria that has to be met if this were to happen. Seats can't lock in position. Fans must be able to either sit or stand and the seats must have barriers on them as well. So we'll yeah. wait to see what happens with this Um in the next couple of months, but those Premier League and Championship clubs have been invited to trial safe standing. Uh, and if this goes through, then it will mean that from January, which is actually only a couple of months away, we could yeah. be seeing this um, in those top two tiers. Um, right, that is all from us today. Andy, Luke, it's been a pleasure to have your company. Thanks, guys, Thanks. for listening. And of course, the team will be back tomorrow with more Football Ramble fun. And of course, it is the uh, preview show sponsored by Betway tomorrow as you build up to the weekend's action. I'll be there. Uh, there'll Luke's be another. Game? episode of Luke's game Who's um, on? potentially with a twist Ooh. no spoilers no spoilers Ooh. but we're looking forward to that tomorrow it's going to be great and, and I apologise to listeners everywhere that you had to have me three days in a row but such and such is life <laughs> they won't listen tomorrow because of that what <laughs> <laughs> I'll say is I'm as disappointed as you <laughs> yeah. have a good one yeah Football Ramble is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.